0: Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. The title of our sermon this morning is called Spiritual Blindness. We are on week four of looking at Jesus as the healer. How many of you know Jesus is so much more than just a healer? Right? But we're trying to break it down so we learn all these different attributes of Jesus, of who he really is. He is the healer. He's a teacher. He's a miracle worker. He's king of kings, lord of lords. He is a prophet. All these things he is, right? The bread of life, fountain of life, all these things. They go on and on. Just read your Bibles. It's all in there, right? Who Jesus really is. But as we look at this, we're, we're, we're seeing these moments and these instances where he heals people. And if you've noticed, he's doing it differently kind of every time. Like, he's, he's blessing people and healing people, but it doesn't always look the same. And it's not always when that person may be expected to be healed, right? And so we're going to look in John chapter 9 this morning. We kind of got a lot of scripture, um, so I hope you enjoy that. If not, well, you know, get used to it. Get used to it. Get used to a lot of scripture, guys. That's okay. Um, we're going to start in verse 1. When you are there, give me a loud amen. amen. That's cool. That's cool. Give me a louder amen. All right, that's good. All right. Okay, verse 1 says this. It's talking about Jesus. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. I don't know why this popped in my head, but I just think it's funny. Have you ever asked for prayer and someone was like, sure. You know what I mean? Like, you ever spread mud on someone and prayed for them? That's weird, right? Is that a little strange? And yet, these, this is how Jesus handles it. Before we get into all the weirdness, though, I think it's amazing that, that, you know, this man has been born blind. And God is showing through this man that there's a purpose. There's a purpose for why he's been blind his whole life and there's a purpose for why you struggle with what you struggle with there's a purpose why you went through what you went through there's a purpose for your history for the marriages in the past or the issues or the miscarriages and all these things there is a purpose there's always a purpose this stuff doesn't just happen just because you're a sinner or just because your parents sinned it's a generational curse have you heard of that the things you issue with, it's a generational curse. My great-great-grandpappy, man, he did the Lord pretty dirty. Because of that, I suffer with this leg here. You know, No, no, that's not it, right? And we have to realize there is a purpose. I think it's interesting that the disciples who are walking with Jesus and seeing Jesus do all these things and heal people, and they see this blind man, and for some reason, they just think it's a good time to make assumptions, to make excuses of like, oh yeah, he's really, really struggling. I wonder why. Jesus, tell me why. Why is this man blind? And Jesus is like, I'm not into making excuses. And I'm not really here to, have to give a theological debate. I'm here to make moves. I'm here to heal. I'm here to do things. I'm here to set people free. And so he totally dismisses it like, that's not the point. That's not the point of why it's happened. It happens so God can get glory. It happens so he can get healing right now. This man can be transformed. And I want us to view things like that, that there's a purpose for things we go through. And, you know, Jesus said something interesting that while, you know, I am in the world, why does day, night is coming when we've, we've got to do the works of God right now, right? And so he's been preparing his disciples, and he does in the Gospels, you see this. He's preparing his disciples. Guess what? I'm going to die. Be ready. Okay but I'm also going to be resurrected on the third day, so don't, don't be too sad, right? But I just want to let you know, you're all going to run away, but I'm going to come get you. I'm going to come back. I'm going to beat death in the grave. That's what I do, right? And so he's telling them, as, as he's doing these things, he's, he's reminding them, and he says this in John 14, that, you know, you, you know the Holy Spirit because right now he's dwelling with you, but soon he's going to dwell in you. That's the promise of a believer, that God's presence, his power, his authority fills you up. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome to you guys? Oh, Lord, have mercy. That's the gift from God. That's the thing to look for is that you can be filled with his presence, his love, his passion for people to really want to make a difference, to live like Jesus. And he's like, I give you all of it. I give you my authority. I give you my power. I give you my presence. Wherever you go, I'm there. Whatever room you fill up, it's not the darkness that surrounds you. You're surrounding the darkness. It's the Holy Spirit in you. It's God's presence that dismantles everything, destroys those strongholds, that break those chains. Just because you're in the room and you trust God, that's the Holy Spirit in you. And so as you have that, you're like, man, can I be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire and with passion and still struggle with sin? Yep. Yep. Sure can. You can still have those moments of why do I struggle with this? Why is this coming up in my life again? Why am I dealing with this again? God, I thought I was done with this. I thought I was past this. You ever been there? You thought you beat the mountain and then, oh, here you go. Time to do it again. You ever experienced that? I know I'm not the only one, right? Talk to me. Talk to me. The more you talk to me, the quicker I'll shut up. I promise. I promise. Maybe not. Maybe I'm lying to you again. I don't know. But we see this that. As Christians, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean we're not going to experience difficulties and we're not going to experience problems and hardships. And so in, in 2 Corinthians 12, this is Paul talking. You want to talk about someone who's filled with the Spirit? Amen. Look into Paul. Man, this guy gave it all up in planting churches, like just planting, loving people, feeling, praying for people. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Miracles, like crazy stuff. And yet, read what this guy dealt with. Starting at verse 7, it says this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a fantastic outlook. Yeah, I struggle. I've got problems. But because I'm weak, man, God gets to shine brighter. People get to look at that guy. Are you God's using that dude? Do you know what his issue is? Have you seen that guy? Yep, God still uses him. Crazy, right? That means he can use you too. That God's not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with or what you've experienced or what your inclinations are. Or you do things differently. Guess what? God still loves you, God still wants to use you, and God still wants to help you see him for who he is. And so. We can look at our problems and our struggles and everything that we go in through. And and really, like Paul said, they're there a lot of times to keep us from being conceited. Because if everything's okay and hunky dory and you think you all got it and you don't struggle anymore, you you start elevating yourself a little bit. Pride gets to you, your ego. Wow, you're not as good as Christian as I am. I wish wow, why do you still you still struggle with that? (laughs) Rookie, rookie Christian. I haven't dealt with that in three years. You know what I mean? And that, that's a mistake. We're not, you're never above anyone else. If you don't get anything from the sermon, know that. You're not above anybody else, Amen. right? And God doesn't love you any more or less than he does right now in this moment. It's not all the things you do for God. He still loves you. It's if, if yesterday you sinned again hard and you messed up and you failed God, guess what? He's still there for you. Amen. He still loves you. He can still forgive you if you're honest about it and you go to him with a repentant heart. And so we look at these things that maybe we're praying for and, and you know, healing or financial miracles. uh, um, You don't have a plan for the future. You don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of times for Christians, this should be the case. When that stuff happens, you don't have an answer. What do you do? You cling to God a little more. You you seek God a little more like, I don't have this figured out, Lord. Lord, speak to me. If you don't speak, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no second option. I don't know. It's got to be you, Lord. And are those things to keep us closer to God? Yes. Yes, they are. A lot of times they keep us closer to Jesus. And I think it's interesting what Jesus did for this man after he spread on the sweet mud. Do you notice that Jesus is using original materials for how God created man in the first place? Isn't that crazy? He's restoring eyesight with, well, this is how I created all of man with dust. So let me just use that again. We spit on it, rub a little mud, puts it on. Original materials, boom. Oh, yeah, you're healed. You're healed. That's how. Well, that's what I used to create man in the first place. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Jesus is going back to the original materials. That's fantastic. And then he sends him, go to this pool that means sent. Why is that significant? I think twofold. I think, one, it's significant because he's highlighting, guess what? I am sent from God. I am the one. If You trust me. You know that I am sent. I am the Messiah. I'm the one. But also... Every person that is restored and blessed by Jesus, guess what? You're sent. You're sent out to the world. There is no, oh, Jesus has blessed me. I keep it to myself. Doesn't work. That's not biblical. I don't know where people get that. That's not normal Christianity, right? That's fake. Just so you know, that's fake. If you're hiding it and you're not sharing your faith, it's not real. It's not real. It's both, right? And so we look at this. It leads this man, since this man is sent that he is kind of like, he's a product of a miracle, right? And his neighbors notice, like, isn't this the blind beggar? Like, surely not. And he's like, that was me. And then they send him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are like, are you? were you the blind beggar? He's like, yeah, totally healed, legit. And they're like, surely not. Not by Jesus. They cast him out. Then they call in his parents. His parents are scared to death. Scared to death to go against the religious leaders. Because they go against them. It, 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 the, the Bible says if they said Jesus is the Messiah you're kicked out of the synagogue. You're not part of that community. And they feared more about their relationship with the community than they did with the relationship with the one who created them. That's crazy, right? And so in fear, they're like, why why, why don't you go talk to him? He's old enough to speak for himself. Bye. So they bring the man back. And this man's like, he he says something that I think is hilarious. He's, this guy's my kind of fellow. He seems sarcastic. I like sarcasm if you have if you can't tell. And this guy in the in the right sense, right? Too much is too much. But this guy, he says something that's interesting. They're like, "How did he heal you?" And he's like, "I already told you once. You want to become his disciple, too?" You you want to follow Jesus? And this is where it leads in this conversation in John chapter 9. And it starts in verse 29. This is now the rabbis answering back after he's like you want to become his disciples too says and they reviled him or cursed him saying you are his disciple but we are disciples of Moses we know that God has spoken to Moses but as for this man we do not know where he comes from the man answered why this is an amazing thing sarcasm you do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes is that as Christians, we will have confrontation with the world. Amen. That is inevitable. Do you know this? Yes. you have experienced this? Yes. Because of your faith in Christ, that you, you know not everyone likes you all the time anymore. Not everyone likes the challenge. Not everyone likes you saying there's only one way. That's not popular in culture today. Amen? Amen. And I wonder for this man, if, if we would fare well in his situation... What's the situation? This man is sent from Jesus. He's immediately questioned about what happened. He is challenged. And this guy is standing up for Jesus. Why? Because he experienced transformation. He knows it's real. This guy doesn't have a theology degree. He probably doesn't have solid doctrine. He doesn't know exactly who Jesus is. And yet, he is firm in his stance. I know it was Jesus Jesus changed me. I want to follow that guy. I don't know who you're supporting, guys, and you claim you support Moses, but y'all are terrible. Y'all, y'all just scared my parents five minutes ago. That's rude. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to follow people like that. But Jesus, he's someone different. Amen. He's helped me. He's blessed me. And for us to realize, you know, persecution allows us to share Jesus. really. Really. And maybe the reason Western Christianity isn't as strong is because maybe we're not as persecuted as we like to believe we are sometimes. You know? We're not, I mean, it's not a bold thing to say Jesus loves you. Everyone in America half the time says, yeah, I'm a Christian, sure. I don't know what that means. It's become this tradition. It's become something that everyone says they are. When I was living in sin, guess what I had on my dog tags? Christian, no denomination. Because I was raised in it. Sure, I'll pick that one. I'll pick that one. It's just another choice, right? But if we actually look at it, I mean, I was, I was, I've been watching these videos. And uh, I, maybe I sound like a broken record. Sorry, not sorry. But I'm looking at the underground church. And like, what is it that they have that we don't? Because they're growing, and there is power, and there are miracles happen on a daily in the underground church. But yet it's coupled with this persecution. And you see that these, I was, I was watching this one, and this is in China. And they have church and they go to the top level of the building so as no one down below can really hear them, right? Hot up there, right? There's no AC units. They don't have a keynote speaker. Half the time they don't have their pastor. Maybe he's in jail that Sunday. Who knows for preaching the gospel? They don't have a worship team. They don't have this sweet stage with all this sweet equipment that hooks up, and yet they are hungry for Jesus. They show up and they're like, we get to pray together? Yes! Have you? That is such a chore, just to pray. How many of you go and and can go in your prayer closet or with someone else and pray for real for five minutes? Shame on us, right? That's sad. Isn't it sad? They're hungry. They want more of God. They want Jesus. They know Jesus is the only thing that could sustain them. Because here's what happens. And I'm not trying to condemn you guys if you're not spending hours and hours on prayer. I don't, right? But I'm just saying having that attitude to be able to pray, to be able to seek God. This is something that when you've truly been transformed and you're continually transformed, when you know, I'm not asking your denomination, whether you're Baptist or Pentecostal or Episcopalian or whatever else. I'm asking, are you a born-again believer Are you a born-again Christian? Do you follow Jesus with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul? Because when that happens, it's no longer a chore to talk about Jesus. And it's no longer you thinking up things to say. It's like, I'll just share my testimony. I'll share what Jesus has done with me. I know what he's done. I've experienced it. I was like this. Now I'm not. I lived like that. I dealt with that. Now I'm set free. That's what Jesus does. It's no longer a chore of, oh, uh, how do I evangelize again? How am I supposed to witness? What's the ABCs of Christian? You don't, have to, you don't have to do that. You don't have to figure out all the books. Just share your heart. Share what Jesus has done that makes it so much easier. Amen? Amen. And here's something that, that we struggle with as Christians and I've seen. And it's hard to not get caught up on this. You know, it's hard when I, when I became a Christian out of these friends that, you know, they still lived in darkness, they lived in sin, and, and I really wanted to witness to them. But initially, there was that fear. If I challenge them and I shared Jesus, you're not going to be my friend anymore. That scared me. Has it ever scared you? Think like, man, I could lose my friends. I could lose my family. Just sharing Jesus. And, you know, it comes that point where you've got to do it. Because this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. When he's talking about when you just want, you can live in this place of you want to follow Jesus, but you also want to be held in high regard. You want to follow Jesus, but you want to have a good reputation by everyone. You don't want to be the weirdo. You don't want to be the one that challenges people. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 34. This is the words of Jesus, right? Not my words. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. This is not sweet little baby Jesus. Everything is great now. No, 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 no. Listen to what he says. He's grown. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's intense. So you're telling me if you're not challenging your family, if you're not sharing Jesus with your family and your friends because you don't want to hurt their feelings, you don't want to offend them, you want them to love you. But by doing that, you're not showing that you truly love Jesus. This is what Jesus says, not worthy. Nope, you don't really love me think that you do, but you don't. You're not willing to do the hard stuff. You're not willing to pick up your cross. So the question I want to ask you is, are you worthy according to Jesus' words right now in your life? You know that he can set you free. He can save you. He can transform you. But are you, can, are you living for him? Is this real to you? Do you really love Jesus? Like, are you guys in love with Jesus? This this is a good way to to think about that. Okay, I'm going to give you an option. You tell me if you'll take it or not. You get to go to heaven. And you get to have all the food you want. Your favorite foods. All your friends get to be there. Your favorite hobbies. All the time, biggest mansions, whatever is perfect for you, it's all there. A wardrobe that's unlimited, never-ending, all these things you want, like unlimited fountain drinks. For me, it'd be Coke Zero with lime. I love that stuff, right? Unlimited. You get to have all that, but Jesus won't be there. Is that good? Will you take it? We see a lot of Christians, that would work. That, you know what? That's okay. But if you're really in love with Jesus, you'd be like, I give that all up just to love you, Jesus. Just to hear from you, just to spend time with you, just to talk with you. I want you. I don't want the things you can offer me. I want you. That's how to check your heart. Amen. So we have to look at this this man, what he experienced. In a a matter of a day, (laughs) day one of wanting, not even truly knowing who Jesus is yet, but wanting to follow Jesus, he's cast out of the synagogue. His parents have pretty much left him to fend for himself. His neighbor's like, surely that's not you. Like, all these things have happened to him. And as he's cast out, he's like, man, maybe I was better off blind. <laughs> these people gave me stuff and helped me out. I feel like they love me now. Like, no one wants to be around me. Doesn't that happen as Christians sometimes? We lose our family. We lose our friends. Lose, if not, give it time. Give it time. You'll lose friends. You'll lose people. If you're really following Jesus, it doesn't mix. It doesn't mix all the time. You can challenge them, you can love them, but if they staunchly desire that they are against Christ, they're not. They're not in line. They're not going where you're going. You love them, you want to bless them, but they're not going to stay in your life. And then, oftentimes, I don't know if you've experienced. I've experienced being called a Jesus freak or Bible thumper or you're ridiculous or oh, please stop talking about Jesus right now. That's enough. It's 9 a.m. in the morning, you know what I mean, or whatever else. And it's like, it's just, it's just normal for Christians. It should be normal to share Jesus and not like push it down everyone's throat, but that you're excited to share Jesus with people yeah. because of what he's done with you. Yeah. Like, wow, people get annoyed at that. And we see this man as he's cast out. We'll look at it, John chapter 9. Now we'll jump to verse 35. This man's experiencing something that can be very difficult. And I just want to segue into this, that this can be really hard to be rejected by the world if you don't have a local church that you are really a part of. Yeah. It's really hard to follow Jesus and be encouraged daily if you don't have a support system. If you don't have someone that I'm going through it, man, I get it. I've dealt with that. I dealt with that five years ago. Guess what? I'm going to deal with that. We need each other. We need each other. You need other Christians because it's really hard to be in the molly grubs and be like, I got nobody right now. But the truth is, you do have somebody. And this is where we come into the scripture. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, I just want to say something real quick. Jesus knows what you've been through. Jesus knows when you're cast out. Jesus knows when you're rejected. He doesn't leave you there. Jesus comes and finds you. Jesus comes and meets you when you're in the mollyglobs, when you are depressed, when you are broken down, when everyone else is rejected you. Jesus is like, where are you? Where are you? Found you. I've been looking for you. I know you need me right now. This is what happens. And he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He wants to believe. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. He worshipped him. Where was he at? He's not in church. He's in the middle outside somewhere probably. Just him and Jesus. No worship team. No band. No nothing. He just falls down and worships Jesus. You can worship anywhere guys. When you're in the presence of God you can worship anywhere. And Jesus said for judgment I came to this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. You know, it's a beautiful thing when we see Jesus intervene. When Jesus intervenes, it's awesome. When Jesus comes in, when you can't pick yourself up, when you don't know how to get through, or when you're trying to share the gospel, when you're trying to help someone and you don't have the words. Jesus, I'm gonna need you to speak to me right now. You know I do that every Sunday. My like, God, I'm so uneducated, untalented. You gotta speak. Or they're just gonna stare at me and it's gonna be so weird. God, I need you to intervene right now. And he will. And he does. And he's going to for all of us. And Jesus comes to him to let him know guess what? I'm worth the rejection. I'm so worth the opposition. I'm so worth what you've lost because guess what? You've gained me. I love you and I've chosen you. I want you. Some of you need to hear that from God. We have this picture sometimes. of God's just so angry and just wants you to do and do and do, do more. He said, no, I love you. I chose you. You know Jesus wants you to be his son and daughter, not act Like, it's not just acting, not just doing things. You see, the religious leaders, that was the difference. They thought about doing and doing and doing another law. Fulfill this. Fulfill this. Don't wash your hands. Don't do this thing. Blah, blah, blah. All these ridiculous laws. And Jesus is like, I just want you to be. I want you to believe in me and trust me and let me guide you. That's us as Christians. It's not the next thing we can do. How can I be, Lord God? How do you want me to be? How do you want me to act? How do you want me to say? And, you know, it's really easy um, um, for us to... It's, it's easy for us to relate to each other when we're walking the straight and narrow, right? When we're really living for Jesus. It's easy to relate, but for the rest of the world, it's hard to relate to them because guess what? Living in darkness, that's the normal. It's really easy to relate to someone when you're living darkness, they're living darkness. There's no judgment what It is what it is. It is what it, there's no rule book here. Nobody, we're in charge of ourselves. It's all right. I can do whatever I want. It's all good, it feels good most times. Sinning feels great, if not, you're probably not doing it right for real. it totally satisfies your flesh, it totally scratches that itch man, that fleshly itch. It's like, Man, I want it, I desire it. Yep, I'm doing it. Oh, feels good. But as a Christian, then comes the Holy Spirit's conviction no, not for you. That's not how you look like Jesus, that's not how you model Jesus. And when you're saved, this is the funny thing. This is what I noticed. I, you know, I, I still messed up, but before when I sinned, before Jesus, I wouldn't really convict it. It is what it is. I don't care. Don't tell me how to live my life, you suck too. You know, that was my ideology. But as a Christian, it's like I'm immediately convicted when I sin. When I do something, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then it's like, go go ask for forgiveness. What? No. Do it, okay? So sorry I said that, you know. And most of the time, that's for you anyways. It's not for the other person. The other person's already blown it off. But for you, for the sake of your walk with God, you have to go ask for forgiveness. You know, and it's, it's, it's that thing of following Jesus that, you know, men are called but few are chosen. Because it's hard walking that narrow path. And for this man, he's lost so much. And, and the Pharisees come around the corner. And maybe they're thinking like round three with this guy. Let's, let's mess him up again. Let's say some other hurtful things. But this time it's different because now he's in the presence of God and they have no authority anymore. Those words, those flaming darts, they can't attack you when Jesus is right there, when he's filled you up. They don't mess with you as much. They don't get to the fields. It's like, that's, that's all you got? I know I'm loved. I know I'm accepted. I feel bad for you. And we see that Jesus comforts the man and challenges his enemies simultaneously. God can multitask. God can do it all. He can bless you. He can restore you, destroy things in your life and restore them at the same time and keep your enemies at bay while he's loving you, while he's blessing you. And like, no, I said, no, I'm here. He needs rest right now. She needs rest. And it's amazing that Jesus fights our battles. It's amazing that as Christians, we don't have to, you know, you read the Old Testament and it was really like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? pretty hardcore. And when Jesus steps in the scene, he's like, just love them. You picture, you want to be like Jesus. Jesus is on the cross after being mocked and beaten. And he's like, can barely breathe. God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, forgive them. They're so blind. They're so spiritually blind. And it's like, I wonder if you have that heart for people. Do you immediately like, oh, God, strike them down right now. I'm not going to do anything, but I want your vengeance, Lord. You know, I've read about the flood. You wiped out like the whole planet. I know you can do it. I've read about the plagues in Egypt when they came against your chosen people. Wow, the plagues were intense. Sim frogs up in their house, Lord. Bed bugs, whatever, locusts, I don't care, mess with them. But as a Christian, our heart should really be, God bless them. They're so blind. They need you. God, they need your forgiveness. They need your love. Bless them. Help them. I know you love me. I know you're going to be there for me. They're hurting. They're hurting. That mindset, that's only through the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's not your flesh. Your flesh doesn't do that. Your flesh wants to get back. He said, what about my mama? You know what I mean? That's our immediate. We're, we're, we learn as kids. But to really turn the other cheek, that's following Jesus on a different level. And he ends it. I'll, I'll conclude with this. Conclusion. Conclude. Yeah, Whatever. Jesus answers, or, or he talks about this, gets to the heart of the spiritual blindness issue with these Pharisees. And they basically summing it up as, you claim that you see, but you won't let go of your pride. You won't let go of your ego. You won't let go of your reputation. You won't let go of your title. And because you claim you know how to do things in the right way, you remain guilty and you remain blind. What does that look like? For this man that's blind, he knows he's blind. Jesus heals them, right? Hallelujah! Praise Jesus! I was blind, now I can see. Yes, awesome! Would that be cool if you leave church service today and you you're, you run across path with a person that's blind, and you pray for them and they're healed? Yeah. I bet you would come into church next Sunday like, yeah! What? Do you know what Jesus did through me last Sunday? That was awesome! It's so real. Do you guys know that's real today? That can still happen if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you trust in You. It's not your power. It's not your miracle. It's not your authority. It's his. It's his righteousness. Yeah. Let go of that fear. All you got to do is be obedient. Pray for him. God bless him. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You have to pray for someone, and they're like, no, no, what's the worst that can happen? You stay like you are, and nothing changes. Or you're healed. Yeah. You want to take a chance. That's amazing, right? And so we see this. He's telling these disciples and this man you know he's 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 born blind and he's healed and then for these religious leaders this is their state spiritually they're blind and they're stumbling in the dark they're bumping into walls they can't see they don't they couldn't see God if he was standing right in front of them because he's been doing it this whole time and they can't recognize him they are spiritually blind to see Jesus and as Jesus comes to him and he's like you want to see what are you talking about I see just fine I'm great I've got it I don't I'm over here. Oh, I'm fine. You know what I mean? That's where they're at spiritually. They need healing, they need, but they're so stuck in their own ego and their pride that they won't humble themselves to receive from Jesus. They won't humble themselves to submit to Jesus' authority. And for us as Christians, that's a very important thing we need to recognize in our lives. We have to remain humble and teachable. You know, working with kids um, and teenagers, this has proven to be really effective. If they ask you a question you don't know, Say, I don't know. Don't make up some lame Sunday school answer like, well, I think, you know, if you read Ezekiel 37 and this... No, just be like, I don't know. But don't leave it there. Be in your word. Pray. Study it with them. Love them. Come back with them. And because you know what people want? And kids can see right through something that's fake. Teenagers can too. They don't want some fake Christianity where it's like, oh, you do this because of tradition. Well, you know what? I can do that for Buddha and Muhammad. But when you have something real... When you're real to them, when they see your failures and how Christ picks you up, when they see when you're on the mountaintop and everything's great, they learn, wow, this is real. This is real. You don't know, okay, that's cool. We can learn together. Don't give them something fake. And we have to remain teachable. We can't, we can't let just because we've been a Christian for so long that someone just got saved and now they show you something about Scripture that you never saw before. And you're like, that's, that can't be what it means. There's no way. I've read that verse 30 times. There's no way that's what it means. We have to allow ourselves to still be, remain teachable. i I've, I've from teenagers re- working with them and studying Scripture, and God highlights something ridiculous, and they say this, and I'm like, whoa, mind blown. I never saw that. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing. Like, that's legit. There is no junior Holy Spirit. It's the same. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you get the same authority and power that's acceptable to everyone. Grafted into the kingdom, man. That power and authority, that three-year-old that really loves Jesus and prays for someone, guess what? Stuff can happen. Oh, man, can it happen. It has happened. And so for us, as, man, I always run out of time. This is awesome. I love it. I always worry so much, I'm like, I don't have enough to talk about, and then the Holy Spirit just takes over. But I'll close with this, for real. We have to remain teachable. We have to always recognize that even whatever we're struggling with, that there is a purpose behind what our issues are. It's not because you're just... Covered in sin or your great grandpappy sin. It's like maybe God keeps that stuff there to help you get closer. And maybe one day it will be gone. And you won't have to deal with that anymore or that memory will fade. But for right now, let it be. If God wants it there, it's going to stay there. Just trust God more. Expect that you're going to receive opposition for following Jesus. That it's normal, right? And expect that Jesus is always going to be there to intervene on your behalf. He's always going to be there to help you. He doesn't leave you alone, and He doesn't leave you as an orphan. He loves you, and He's chosen you, and you're His. Amen? Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.